Hi guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Anime Podcasters. I'm your host, Hotshot Ginger, and with me I have the Maple Leaf, the hockey player, the one who always apologizes even though he did nothing wrong, Giant Music. How's it going, buddy? You you might as well put more <laughs> Canadian stereotypes on my name before introducing me at this point. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, you were on a roll. Yeah, but I don't have anything else. You right now? Yeah. Is that, I mean, is, but before we record it, Hotshot's like, like, let me, like, just, I have to look something up. I'm sure that's what you were looking up now. Well, yeah, my home screen on my computer is now the Canadian flag. It's fine. Great. I'm really happy to be here. Hi, guys. We are back with a brand new episode where we're going to be talking about anime technology. We have three picks, each of anime tech, uh, machines, uh, different technologies that have uh, occurred in different anime series. But before we, we get into that... I want to talk about the Anime Podcasters Facebook page. It's a beautiful thing. It's a page that we really like, and we're happy to have it because it allows us to share the episodes with you guys, to comment back and forth with you guys. Uh, the, the, the one thing, though, is that if you are to message the page, if you want to contact us, you may do so. But we don't want to give out our phone number. We don't sell any merch. I don't, I don't want to see pictures of your cat on the Facebook page when you message me. Just a lot of random people have been messaging our page with really random stuff that has nothing to do with the podcast sometimes. Um, so you may message us, but only if it's for a serious inquiry. Like if you want to recommend an episode to us, if you want to give us feedback, if you want to potentially be a guest, that is cool. But just... Don't message us with just the randomest thing. It's it's kind of annoying. Hotshot, you were telling me about it earlier. Yeah, just uh, like you. Can, okay, a lot of people are treating the uh, the anime podcasters Facebook page as like a direct friend line instead of just a page for a series that's currently ongoing. So you guys would message us saying, "Hey, can uh, can I show you a picture of my cat?" Or can I? Um, or what are your phone number? I'll hit you up or anything like that. It's like you're treating anime podcasts just like it's one uh, friend request. And a lot of it is it, it really is just annoying because it's like, guys, we made this page to get the episodes out to you to open the platform. So like maybe if you guys had any recommendations for shows for me and Jane to check out or episode ideas that you have or anything like that. It's not a personal one on one messaging system back and forth. Like, we do love you guys, but we if you want to talk to us, like, let us know, and then we can comment back, okay, DM us if if that is really what you want. Like, contact us directly. Don't just use the, the Facebook page as a, basically a lobby and just share anything and any random thing with anybody that's currently following that. That's not what it's for. So please just be respectful of those boundaries. Yeah. I I really I I 100% agree with Hotshot. If you guys want more of a lobby thing like Hotshot said, you can join the Discord server instead. The Discord server, you can chat me up in there all the time. I'm always online in there. Hotshot's in there too. Uh, that would be a perfect place if you want to send pictures of your cats. That's perfect. Yeah, I love to see <laughs> pictures of your cats on the Discord server. Why not? Just just the Facebook page is different. It's not the same. So please only message the Facebook page if you have a serious inquiry. That is all I have to say. So, we have three anime texts to go over. And, uh, Hotshot, you were very 
very braggadocious about your picks earlier. You were telling me you got some really good ones, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put the pressure on you. Um, and I am convinced you don't have any of my picks, so go ahead. Okay, yeah. Shot. What's your first? Okay, yeah. Anime, no, that's that's tech? that's fine. Like I didn't procrastinate this at all, and yeah, all of mine will automatically win. All right, but I will happily no, go first, saying, you were, Jane. You were Thank me, you. Yeah, yeah. I you right. no, because you were you were telling me earlier that you know, so I'm putting the pressure on. Okay, and I'll take that pressure. I really don't think you can have a, a topic about technology without bringing this up. It has been around for a very long time. It has survived more than three incarnations. I am first bringing up the Dragon Radar from Dragon Ball. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you don't have any of my picks. Instantly steals probably your best pick. Anyway. I hate you so much. I know. I know. I love you too, boo. Anyway. <laughs> So the Dragon Radar, oh God. Dragon Radar. I know you guys know what it is, but if you don't, the Dragon Radar was designed by uh, Bulma in Dragon Ball 2. I don't really know how it works because I forget the explanation of it. I do know that it's meant to track the location of the Dragon Balls, like saying, go north, go east, go west. It's basically a compass that's just attuned to the Dragon Ball signal. And where this, where it was a huge deal to have and... Like, if a memory serves, I kept losing it in the original Dragon Ball, and it was always a major deal. Now in Dragon Ball Super, it's more or less a paperweight. Just, hey, can I get the uh, Bower of the Dragon Radar? Oh, a third cabinet on the left. Like, sure, thanks. Just like, yeah. I'm like, guys, you could probably circle the Earth like a thousand times and just find the Dragon Balls without the radar at this point, because that's how powerful you are. But in the first, when it was just uh, like martial arts and just had their wits to survive on and stuff like that, you needed that radar. They they were like the only ones to actually find Dragon Balls. And the only way the bad guys ever got them was if they stole them. (laughs) So it's just like, it's something that, that was a great idea. And I do still love the Dragon Radar. I love seeing it every time it comes out. In uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, I fucking love using it because it's beyond helpful. It's also your map in that game. But... Now, with Super, it's just a glorified paperweight, but it's still an iconic paperweight, so I still want it. I'm, I'm looking here, and on the, the Dragon Ball Wikipedia, there's actually a thing called the Dragon Radar Proof Box. The Dragon Radar Proof Box was created by Shu to hold a Dragon Ball found by Emperor Pilaf during the Red Ribbon Army. And from what I gather, this is like an, you, you put the Dragon Ball in here, and, it, and the Dragon Radar can't actually locate oh. it. So it's like a lead box for kryptonite, <laughs> basically. Weird. But the dragon, like to go back to the dragon radar, uh, yeah, Bulba, like she just like came. Th- that this is like one of her best uh, inventions, like either that or the time machine. Uh, no, a great, dragon great, radar uh, uh, by piece. far, dragon radar. No, I know, but uh, I, continue. You know, uh, time is really cool. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It, it is just, just me and me and technology, me and technology, me and time travel just don't really get along that often. No, I completely understand. But yeah, it was it's a staple and it's used by all the characters whenever they're looking for a Dragon Ball, which is like very often in the series when they're looking for it. And that Dragon Radar was the reason why the adventure got so good because it would bring them to like these really random places across the world and i loved it and in the video games it's used as a point of reference to like oh you have to go over here to find the dragon ball and collect it over here and over there so yeah all in all just like uh, the fact that they can like create a machine that can pinpoint the exact location of uh the dragon ball on a on a uh on the planet is is 
amazing. Like, I, I just think it's so cool. And I'm looking here. It's I do appeared love, in so many different games. I, I do love the image of like uh, like when all seven or like a, a majority of number of the Dragon Balls are like in one group and you can see them just like traveling on the radar. <laughs> I do love that like each each Dragon Ball is like just a separate circle instead of just like one continuous mass. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, no, of course, of course. Okay. Uh, what I was gonna say though, I'm looking, to, I'm looking for some trivia here, and there's a bunch of random trivia uh, about this. Uh, apparently, the iPhone slash iPod Touch application named D Radar emulates the Dragon Radar. So apparently, you can have an app that acts like the Dragon Radar, which is really cool. And then you got <laughs> in the 15th episode of the French anime Dofu, the Treasures of Karub, uh, the titular character uh briefly brings up a dragon radar that he has in his possession so the dragon radar kind of like it's like it's almost as influential as like some of your previous anime <laughs> i mean yeah because like it, it's been there since the beginning of dragon ball and it's been such a staple of it and just like okay show wise it's been just like graded down to just being a paperweight especially now because like super dragon balls you know Dragon Balls that are the size of fucking planets. <laughs> but in... Yeah, and then you wish... But say in games... Sorry, go ahead. Say in games like uh, DBC Kakarot, it's extremely helpful because it's your mini-map. It's how you track missions. It's uh your navigator. It still tracks Dragon Balls. Like, it does everything in the games. Just the show just gradually decreased it. <laughs> I don't even know if they use it in GT now yeah, that I exactly. think about it. No, they do use it. They do okay. use it to go around that. They have like a, an updated version uh, that can like locate it from planet to planet. Okay. Well, okay. That's that's yeah. actually a good addition. But super just like really no use for it anymore. Especially since Shenron has been like downgraded from a being that knows all to a scared little cat just like, hey, we're just going to we're going to summon you for one wish and then we're just going to ignore you. It's like, dude, guys, right. he can grant three wish of anything you want pretty much. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, but fuck like the, off. The, There's a more powerful version of you, so we don't want you anymore. Yeah, but the thing is, like, the Super Dragon Balls, the one thing I didn't like about them is, like, the whole point of the tournament powers to, like, basically who's the strongest universe. And then you just wish for everyone to come back. Why did we ever have a universe tournament in the first place? To find yeah. out who's the strongest. Like, when, when the well, universes well, come back, like... Yeah, I haven't watched the end of uh, Tournament of Power, so don't get me wrong here. But when you wish everyone back after they had known that you were the one to defeat them, one, they're going to want to challenge you again so they can get stronger. And two, even though you won, they were still a challenging fight, so you want to fight them again. It's saying blood. Very, very true. Fair enough. All right. I want to go to my, ne- my, fr- my next, my first pick. Um, and it's also from Dragon Ball. Oh, uh, okay. That one I, I am picking... Expect. Yeah, I am picking... Mechanic Dende. I'm sorry, what? Mechanic Dende. Mechanic Dende? Okay, start start explaining. I'm gonna actually search this one up. Okay, I, I'm. I, it's a cover up for saying it's the medical machines <laughs> from, from Dragon Ball Z. Um, sorry, I was just trying wanted to, uh, to to throw you off, but that, that that's basically what it is. It's Mechanic Dende. Uh, the medical machines. Uh, I found this really cool uh, quote from the uh, encyclopedia from Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Uh, it's a treatment machine used by the Frieza Force. It is capable of healing any wound, no matter how severe, oh. in a short amount of time when a user enters the tube. They are fitted okay. with an oxygen mask as the tube is filled with healing liquid. Yeah. 
So okay, and I, in legit- I legitimately it's a thought Midikaru machine. I legitimately Sorry. thought you meant like an Android 16 Dende, and I'm just like, what the fuck is that a thing? I'm talking about the recuperation machine, which is the alternate. No, 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 no. yeah, no, I, I got that when you started your explanation. It was just like I thought. <laughs> that's just where my mind went. I I knew what you meant when you started explaining it because I thought of the the scene with Goku in him after his fight with the Ginyu Force. But yeah, no, sorry. No, it's all good. Um, apparently, it uh, first appeared in the episode of Bardock, the Dragon Ball episode of Bardock. Um, and uh, Bardock was after like a big fight that he did not uh, win. He was placing that machine, and basically, like you just hang out in there and you just chill until you're fully healed. And it's like great for like the Zenkai boost stuff uh, in Dragon Ball. And it's just a really cool machine that I, I really thought was great because like you, if you have you know a, what else this huge army, you know what else. What's you up? know what else is good for the uh, Senkai boost stuff? Sensu beans. What? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and Sensu beans are instantaneous. <laughs> the the pods, as no, good I mean, as good as they I, I, are, like especially since apparently they started on Planet Vegeta and they do rec- uh, recuperate you back to hundred percent. But how long does it take to uh, for a recovery like that? Because I know Goku, at least for his, was in there for a few hours. The uh, encyclopedia states a short amount of time. A short amount, yeah. Okay, so then how short is short though? Because Goku was in well, there. After... Five minutes is like twenty-five episodes, right? Remember Namek? Five minutes, you know, it's like a bunch of episodes. Oh so, yeah, short amount of episodes <laughs> of time. Okay, so that means the Ginyu Force was defeated. Goku was put in there. The Dragon Balls were gathered together. Vegeta found them. Frieza found them in first form, killed them, or transformed into second form, stabbed Krillin, transformed third form, killed Dende, fought Piccolo, transformed into fourth form, got Vegeta on the robes, and then Goku shows up in the span of five minutes. Basically. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to stand corrected. Apparently, it, it did not come out in the the uh, Kakarot... Uh, yeah, sorry, not uh, in the uh, in Bardock, Bardock episode. No, it, it was it uh, episode it three. It first appeared in... Uh, in on Namek, like when Vegeta was thrown into it. Yeah, Frieza Saga uh, episode three, when Zarbon uses one to heal Vegeta after Thro- defeating throws him down Vegeta. Yeah. Okay, that's that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I just thought it was it's a really cool like uh, recovery uh, recovery droning machine, which is just really awesome. And it's apparently I'm it reminds me that Vegeta once stated that it the liquid in the tank is synthetic sand DNA. So why not? You know. Second, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Batha tanks from uh, Star Wars that Luke was in in Hoth after his attack. And I know Star Wars is exactly what the Wikipedia page is saying too. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I can't really fault it for saying that because I mean, it really is the same kind of tank deal. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just thought it's a really awesome machine. And like, when you're dealing with like a huge army like Frieza's uh, army, you need that kind of machine to like heal your your troops and everything. Yeah. Which it, it is good it is good for mass produced like that, especially because sensu beans only grow on Earth from uh with Corin's help. So it is good that the enemies have like a counteractive of that. Granted it's not as fast or effective as a sensu bean, but at the same time, it's still a way to do like months of recovery within a span of maybe not like five minutes, but in the span of like a half hour to an hour, let's say. Right. But here's my my, cons- my question about it is like you know how 
like the I, I mentioned earlier the encyclopedia has to say it heals any wound no matter how bad it is. Yeah. Um do you think it was it managed to heal Frieza when he got into like cyborg form? Or is that completely different? That's a completely different thing, because in when he was in the when he was in the cyborg form oh wait, you mean when the planet blew up and he was brought back in cyborg form? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought I thought you meant cyborg. I thought you meant when he was brought back after Trunks destroyed him in cyborg form. I'm like, no, no, he was wished no, back no. after that one. But uh, thinking of that, maybe they just uh, might have had to use like cybernetic enhancements for him, like as he was being essentially reconstructed, because we know the blast like probably didn't save all of Frieza's face or anything like that. So when they found him, they probably rebuilt him and then threw him in the uh, threw him in the tank. That's that's my theory <laughs> on that the, now. Throw the electric there. cyborg in the liquid tank. Yeah, throw the electric cyborg in the liquid tank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's Frieza. Pain makes him stronger. Yes. All right. That's all I had on this tank. I think we we said. It yeah. Right. I mean, we said more about the tank than we said about the actual dragon radar. <laughs> yeah. True. All right. So go ahead. Uh, moving on then. All right, so mine's my next one is another iconic staple. Um, it was probably the first uh, piece of anime tech that I, I ran into as a kid from Pokemon, uh, the Pokedex. Oh man, no, okay, I'm actually screwed. <laughs> like, I don't have any other picks. We might just end it there. We might just end it here. <laughs> All right, bye guys. <laughs> my two other picks. Well, I mean, like, okay, well, that that's what I was uh, talking about to you off podcast. And for you guys, I will give you a little bit of backstory here. Uh, me and Jane decided to do tech uh, after we record the last episode. And we've had all this time to prepare. And even after that, I admitted that I was having issues finding, like, a, a lot of the tech. Because a lot of the animes I watch have to do with, like, supernatural elements or mundane elements, like, just going to school or whatever. And... To hear that I took two of Jaden's picks here, and I might have even pick, uh, picked a third, but I'll let, let you know on that one later. Uh, this hasn't happened on an episode before where we took more than one pick. Dude, I, it's fine. I actually found something else. I'm good. Okay, cool. <laughs> Still, though. I, well, I, I I have one of my two now. Okay, that's fine. Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Um. So for the Pokedex, uh, made its first appearance in the uh, first Pokemon game, actually. It is an encyclopedia keeping track of all Pokemon that you interact with. So if you go out into the wilderness and find a Pidgey, point the uh, Pokedex at it and it'll record Pidgey's habitat, Pidgey's height, Pidgey's weight, Pidgey's gender, and so on and so forth. And it's just kind of a... I honestly just kind of like opening a completed Pokedex and just seeing like all of the Pokemon filled out, saying that like you've seen him, you've seen him, you've seen him, but you haven't caught him, uh, so on and so forth. Plus, I love that with the uh, different iterations of Pokemon, the Pokedex evolves further. So it goes from a Pokedex to uh, several different variations. It's kind of like an iPhone upgrading now that I think about it. And eventually goes into a Pokedex being combined with a Rotom, which is another Pokemon. So Pokemon is now your Pokedex. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. In uh, in sword, explain how that works. I'm confused about that. How does that work? How does a Pokemon become this? This Pokemon is pure, uh, pure electricity and can maintain a physical form in anything electronic. So, uh, Pokemon professors have started using him in Pokedexes and Pokephones and stuff like that to help trainers on their journey. 
I think the first time they came around was uh, in Sun and Moon uh, for the Aloha region, but I could be wrong on that one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't know. Like the, to me, that the 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 Pokedex was like the Game Boy. Like the you know how you clicked on the Game Boy, um, yeah, and then you would like go through your Pokedex and you could see all the Pokemon you've like bumped into or that you've captured and everything. And you it was yeah. a specific spot in the in the Pokemon game where you could actually go to someone and they could like let you know how many exact Pokemon you've captured and, and that you've seen and come across. And uh, I mean that that thing is insane because it has like yeah, all and the now in like you've ever wanted about all the creatures. And now in like current uh current Pokemon or like. Modern Pokemon, I guess I should say. Uh, you can just you have your Pokedex on you, and you can open it any time and just like go to your Pokedex and just look. So you automatically know. You don't have to find anybody. <laughs> but um, hearing Dex, uh, yeah, hearing Dex for the first time in Pokemon, like that's always been a favorite of mine. And hearing that, uh, so I I've actually been getting back into watching original Pokemon lately. So I've been watching Indigo League again. And hearing that the Pokedex is also the identification card of the trainers, because when we first meet Jenny or first meet a different Jenny, rather, she asks for ass identification card yeah. and takes his Pokedex and pops up. This Dex Pokedex is registered to Ash Ketchum of Pallet Town and just like, OK, not only can you keep tabs of all the uh, Pokemon, but you're also how I identify myself to the police. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the Pokedex like, is just a really cool uh, staple of the Pokemon. It's like of the Pokemon franchise, you know? It's just, it's there. It's Pokedex. got all the info you need. Numbers, names, uh, the description, like everything. Everything, 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 ever. Pokedex and Pokeballs, man. I mean, they they struck gold when they came, when they came up with those two ideas for Pokemon. If they're just like... Uh, 100%. So there's a hundred monsters in the world, but what? And we have trainers, but one, how are they going to catch them? And two, how are they going to know what they are? It's like ah, we have yeah, an exactly. automatic identifier. Yeah, um, I don't know, like just a really complete piece of technology, like super important uh, information center. Basically, is how I see it. Yeah, which it really is because it's like it's connected to the Poke Center database of the uh, Poke Lab. So any Pokemon that's been registered or any Pokemon that's been identified by uh, the professors or Pokemon researchers or anything like that is automatically synced to the uh, to the Pokedexes. So all the trainer has to do is point the Pokedex at it so it can essentially scan the Pokemon um, and bring up the uh, the file that it has on that said Pokemon. Yeah. It's insane. I just, I love the Pokedex, and that's why I picked it. Yeah, but I picked it first. That's also why I picked the Dragon Radar first, because I knew for a fact that one was going to be on your list. I wasn't sure Pokedex was going to be on there. I just, uh, all right. I'm 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 ready for my my second pick. Your second and final pick? <laughs> no, it's second, second pick, and I have a third. All right. You, so, okay, I didn't um, know you had a third. From, from Yu-Gi-Oh! GX... Okay, or Yu-Gi-Oh! in general, but I'm going to go with the GX version here. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I'm picking the dual disc. Picking. Yeah. The dual disc. Of I course. completely it's forgot about the awesome. dual disc. I, I completely like, forgot, and I, and I love the dual here. disc. Yeah, and there's literally 
so many different versions of this dual disc. Basically, it's a portable dueling arena that you put on your left arm, and that generates holograms when you place cards. It holds your cards. Uh, it has a graveyard. It has a life point counter. But the uh, just because of how much of a fanboy I am for the GX series, I'm just going to read it off here. A streamlined version of the second dual disc. This is a standard dual disc issued to students of various dual academies established by Seto Kaiba and Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Aside from the obligatory alternate folding feature and a cosmetic refit, the disc functions ideally to the second dual disc. Uh, identically, sorry, to the second dual disc. The shift from standby to active mode uh, of this version of the dual disc is much less pronounced. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't like do that crazy fold. It just extends two arms instead, like two cards, three cards. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's it. It's a really cool, like, just it's a staple because they, how else are you gonna duel? You know. Are you going to put the cards down? No, you want to see those holograms come up, you know? It's a really cool thing. And I'm looking throughout, like, you have the first version, the Academy Dual Disc. Uh, what else did you have? You had the uh, the Capsule Monsters version, uh, the Dark Dimension version. Just a bunch of different versions of this Dual Disc. And there's like 20, 30 different versions. It's crazy. This dual disc has, I swear to God, this thing is like a, a, a battle arm, like hybrid dual discs. Uh, just, I'm looking through all these pictures of dual discs and I'm blown away. Uh, just, uh, there's a lot of dual discs, Hotshot, a lot of dual discs. I mean, there's a lot of different variations of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! So yeah, that goes without saying. My favorite, honestly, like it's been a long time since I've seen GX. So unfortunately, that one's not in my mind. But my favorite of the... Uh, right. Dual disc has always been the original with uh, like how they can just uh, flash out essentially instead of just like having to grab mm -hmm. it, put it on a gauntlet. They can just swing. OK, ready to fight now. <laughs> but it also to me looked like especially like the edge where like it connects to the elbow and everything. You could just stab that into somebody and go like, I win. Yes, you could. But that would be illegal in Yu-Gi-Oh. That would be illegal in Yu-Gi-Oh. I actually had a It's uh, not a, a punching anime. I actually had a toy dual disc as a kid. I had a dual disc and an Omnitrix. I had a dual disc too, and uh, that thing would not work. It, the, well, no, the there's look, look, so like there was no automatic, holograms. and I was, I was like, so "Come upset. on, it's stuck, it's stuck." It's not. I'm not even talking about the hologram. I'm talking about like it wouldn't like fold out properly. Oh, okay. So you just got a shit one. Mine was fine. Yeah, I <laughs> the, got a bad okay, dual disc. But dude. the thing is, like, with with such an iconic piece of like. Uh, arguably an iconic series to be made into a toy for like literally the real world to have. If that doesn't speak of like how important that is to the show, and this is just a piece of tech. And if that doesn't speak volumes with how important it is, I really don't know what does. You know what I mean? Yes. A hundred percent. And I mean, what else? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Was, um, okay. <laughs> the other, uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, this dual disc brought us, uh, what we love the most about the series. It was like the piece of equipment that you saw on, on the arms of your favorite duelist. And they would do amazing battles with these things. And it was a way for them to, um, speak their passion of dueling. You know, that's, it's what they use. You know, like, uh, a motorcyclist uses a motorcycle, a duelist uses, uses, uh, uses a dual disc, you know? That's how it works. Yeah. And even when you had the versions of uh, the holograms where you essentially had like a giant play table in front of you and placing the cards down like that, it still was never as satisfying as it is when they use dual discs. Like using a dual disc is just like 100%. that much of a staple that like when it, it's a lot like uh, like Ash turning his hat backwards in Pokemon. When a dual disc comes out and yeah. up, 
you know shit's about to go down. Very down. Very, very down. Yes. Um, that's all I had to tell the duelist. I think it's a pretty like it, it's it's kind of a self-explanatory one, well. one. Yeah, with that one. All right. So on to my final then. Yeah. All right. Yes. Okay, so all the tech that we've mentioned so far, except for uh, except for Jane's uh, healing chamber, um, have always been available like in episode one or so of the series. That's not the case for my next one. My next one was created for the sole purpose to enhance our main character and ultimately change the way that he fights altogether. I'm talking about Deku's shoot style boots from My Hero Academia. This is the ones that he gets that crazy gear girl that Hatsune makes, right? Yeah, that Hatsune makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. it's thanks yeah. to him going in asking for help that she creates the uh, the boots for him to practice kicking instead of just copying All Might's punches, and that tra- uh, transforms his style into the shoot style, which I fucking love shoot style Deku. <laughs> so they what they I want to say go for just it. just before you start though, I just want to say thank you so much for not picking one of my picks. Good job, Hotshot. Go ahead. Now, I'm beyond curious as to what your last one is, but moving on. Uh, So when Deku, uh, it's been a while since I've seen this episode, unfortunately. When Deku requires that uh, he needs, he knows he needs to find a way to make one for all his instead of just copying All Might like with the smashes and everything else. Like if anyone was even listening, they would know that All Might's power is just Deku's power because no one else has Detroit Smash and so on and so forth. So when Deku falls into this point of where um, if he injures his arms again, he they just roll refuse to heal him or he needs to fight with more power or a different way, making it truly his. He switches from his arms to his legs. And the most icon or the most memorable part about that for me is uh, when they're still in the training ground after uh, All Might has been injured permanently and just can't All Might anymore, where the giant boulder is about to crush him and Deku makes his debut by splitting the boulder in half with an axe kick. And then you see the oh, yeah. the up close on, on the boot, like clicking and clacking like to... Uh, Deku's feet. Essentially, they're meant to increase his leg durability, so they're pretty much braces for his uh, for his legs, so they can't break, as well as like hardeners, so he can kick harder, he can kick faster, and they release steam. Like they're don't they're pieces of equipment, yeah, so they can't break. But at the same time, his legs have been way less broken than his arms have ever been. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, those boots basically took him from like level one to level five you know like that was a huge piece of his like hero look like those shoes look super cool too uh great finish but like he needed those to really perfect his like special move in that training camp i remember and just a very solid pick there like the, those boots are, like made him so much stronger plus deku is also he he probably is my favorite character or he's probably one of my well not probably he is definitely one of my favorite shonen protagonists out there so to see him and when it comes to like fighting stuff i prefer kickers as opposed to punchers like if i make a fighting character i make him a kicking expert so to see deku just switch into that full throttle i fucking love like of course he still has his his punches and he does utilize both of them but i fucking loved it when he started using shoot style 
100%. I think this is another one of those self-explanatory ones, Hotshot, because the shoot style it was really perfected and uh, managed because no, you had those boots and because yeah. and everything, and, you know? And you're right. It is it is pretty self-explanatory because this simple piece of equipment that uh, Hatsune made for Deku just completely shifted his uh, fighting style. Instead of just using his arms mm-hmm. where we've only seen him use his legs like dodge and move and everything. Now he can actually kick with the power of one for all. Something not even All Might did. Keep that in mind. This is something that uniquely Deku can do. No other users of All for One that we've seen or one for all that we've seen have been kicking. They've all just been using smashes. Yeah, 100%. I I really want to go to my uh, next. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, that's, I that's really all I had. I just wanted up. to bring it up because that's really what uh, transitioned him into having one of my favorite styles. So go on with your third and final. Right. My, After my just next a, pick. Sorry, yeah. sorry. One, one quick thing. Yeah. After your final, I do have one honorable mention I do want to bring up. Yeah, for sure. All okay. right. My final pick is the ODM gear from Attack on Titan. I almost brought that one up. I'm not going to lie. I tried keeping mine just like something you could hold in the palm of your hand. And I just broke that rule for uh, for a shoot style. I almost did the ODM gear. Well, the, the ODM gear is basically omnidirectional gear. Uh, what does omnidirectional mean? Basically, you can move anywhere. You can transmit from in any direction thanks to it. Uh, think of it. That, let's, look, I'm an audio engineer, so I'd like to like uh, throw in my profession in here very quickly. Uh, a omnidirectional microphone is the microphone that could like pick up sound at equal gain wherever you're standing. So if you're speaking uh, from the left, the right. Uh, or from whatever side, uh, it doesn't matter because it will keep, pick up an equal amount of gain. Basically, this tool uh, created by the humans in Attack on Titan as a means to fight against the Titans uh, allows them to, instead of moving in uh, two dimensions, in three dimensions. Um, and it's this uh, this uh, gear that they attach from the waist um, that they have two grips with and they have uh, two tanks of gas and then uh, two uh, sections where they have blades they can grab from. Uh, and the way it works uh basically is uh, with the hand grips uh the pistol the piston shot grapple hooks uh, the gas powered uh, mechanism and the iron wire propellers they will shoot that and uh, in um Close spaces such as a forest, they will grip on uh, to with the hook uh, of the grapple. They'll grip onto a surface, and with the momentum they have, they'll like you know like swing and keep going and the direction they want to to uh, pursue a target. Um, and it's really cool because you've seen like uh, ODM gear users uh, such as Levi. Uh, they're very skilled to be able to like wiggle around. You know, like uh, that whole uh, scene where he's uh, fighting against Kenny in season two. Uh, he's moving from crazy directions, and you even get like really cool angles where you see the ODM gear moving to see what direction he's going into or out of uh, to be able to like uh, evade attacks from different angles um, and uh, I really like it the, the one thing I don't like about it is like it's very limited in the sense that like if you're in open space you can't really use it uh, and the other thing is if you run out of gas you're kind of screwed like in season 1 Mikasa was running on fumes to get to the other side of the town uh, when that whole attack uh, of the titans uh, occurred the very first one and she ran out of gas point and she barely made it she had to like jump through a window and like land in a building uh and that was it uh just really cool gear that i really like and uh like the mechanics of it with uh the you know like the the main housing main housing where you have like around your your waist and then the grips that uh with, with that you have in your two hands that like shoot it and then you also have obviously um 
the blades, which is like that's like what this whole thing sets up. The blades is what's gonna cut the neck, uh, the nape uh, of the neck uh, for these titans uh, to be able to defeat them. So you know, this is just like one big thing that allows them to uh, fight against the uh, titan. It makes the uh, uh, one thing I will say since the titans are obviously like behemoths and in comparison to just mortal humans, it makes getting up to them so much easier when you can you know fly up into the air with anchor points and everything else and one of my favorite uh places that they fight in attack on titan is when they get lost in the woods because you can actually still use it there and it actually works better there than in the uh than in the city a lot of the times i feel like but when you're kind of out in an open area really the only thing that you can hope to grab onto is the titan itself so like you can still like jump and yeah. use the use the gas and everything, but you don't really have a way to anchor yourself. But like there's like sometimes like I remember like in season one, Annie, uh, she uh, in her Titan form, she got like struck. Like you had three different scouts like shoot her, uh, like with the 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 the, uh, the 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 hooks get into her, and like she jumped and like spun around and she killed all three of those humans in a second. It was it was yeah. like like a child's play to her. So just that, that's the thing when you get to Titan, doesn't mean you should when. Yeah, when you get to sentient titans like that, like Annie or arguably probably Eren at this point, like would be able to know. Again, I haven't watched like towards the end of Attack on Titan. I'm really working on a little bit past uh, who you realize who the Colossal Titan and Armored Titan are. But when you go into uh, intelligent titans like that, even with the ODM gear, it's not everything that's going to get you victory like even uh even the first time that we see Aaron use it in an actual titan when he goes after colossal the colossal releases a bunch of steam from his back and disappears so odm is not the only thing that is going to win you a victory especially when it comes to intelligent titans who a know how this uh, machine works and b know how to defend themselves against it yeah i completely agree with you but uh, still like this is like the I mean that is the that, that is the, the anime. Yeah, that is the that is the bread and butter of what it makes Attack on Titan like making humans even have a possible chance of winning against the Titans. They need an effective yeah. way to combat against them. And this is what they came up with. And I love it, especially the in the more, games. Yeah, it's but, really fun to use in the game. No, for sure. But what I'm trying to say, though, is uh, other than just that, it's like the foundation. Because uh, in later seasons, they build onto that. Like, they have, like, rockets that they use. Sort of rockets that they use because of the ODM gear to, like, attack Titans in a more efficient way. And, like, the ODM gear is, like, the starting point of, like, the technology of Attack on Titan. And yeah, we see, like, I mean, that's kind of the same. Build off of it. That's kind of the same mindset that I had with uh, bringing up the Pokedex because it starts with the Pokedex and then evolves into a Pokemon living in there and helping you out even more. Like all all technology, like all technology can be advanced further. That's the entire point of having technology. They're meant to enhance Mm -hmm. like our activities and our life. But how can we enhance them to make it even better? No, I completely understand. Uh, that's basically everything I had to say on this specific uh, Pokedex. Uh, yeah, po- I mean... Oh, my God. On I mean, this, it, uh, I mean guys, if I'm being honest, it's it's tech. Like, there isn't really a whole lot that you can say a lot about it when... Especially if it's a big-time anime like Dragon Ball or Pokemon or Attack on Titan, where it takes up such a major part of that show. If you even say what it is, a lot of people are immediately going to know like what it can do and what it's in, stuff like that. It is... 
like it technology has a lot of place in a lot of animes unfortunately because i kept stealing jane's picks we had a hard time thinking of what they actually were but that's because they're so common to find in anime we probably had a hard time just finding like notable appearances or like things things that are really worth bringing up yeah all right let's uh let's do it um your final pick slash honorable mention Okay, uh, my honorable mention is one that I brought up to you before, but I don't know if you knew this was tech. Monokuma from Danganronpa. Explain. Monokuma is a 100% android who's being controlled by another power. And the only reason... I mean, I could have picked, like, Android 17 in that case. But anyways, go ahead. No, because Android 18 and 17 still have partial human parts in them. Monokuma is full-on uh, Android. It's full-on robot. Um, and the only reason I, mean, I bring... Yeah. I, the only reason I bring Monokuma up is because, A, um, in Danganronpa, he is the staple. He is, like, completely... If you think Danganronpa, he is probably the first face you think of. And two, he can also be mass-produced. So there's... Literally thousands of Monokuma running around. Like there, there's one that the ringleader uses, but the rest of them can just be used to spread mass chaos around the world. Um, for mm. just one one thing of that, and then I'll uh, then I'll recap my list. In Ultra Despair Girls for the uh, for the game for PlayStation, it's a spinoff of Danganronpa, and your main enemy are Monokuma robots, and the only way to defeat them is to shoot them in the red eye. <laughs> So that's why Red Eyes Black Dragon is my final honorable mention. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's tech now? Oh, damn. Cool. <laughs> but I just Actually, thought... I think there's a metal version of him. But anyways, yeah. Anyway, uh, but that that's the only reason really why I bring Monokuma up because uh, he is technically a piece of tech and he is one of my favorite characters out there in uh, twisted anime like that. So I just thought at the very least, maybe we'll talk about him more in like another villains list that we do later on down the line or something. Uh, I just uh, wanted to bring him up since tech made me think of him almost immediately. So to recap, my list was the Pokedex from Pokemon, the Dragon Radar from DBZ, the uh, Deku's shoot style legs from My Hero Academia with an honorable mention of Monokuma from Danganronpa. And for myself, I had the ODM gear from Attack on Titan, the dual disc from Yu-Gi-Oh! and the medical machine from Dragon Ball. All right. The artwork Sorry, for I the kept podcast stealing your list. is provided by the non-list stealing artist <laughs> GoPro Kyo. He does all the artwork for the podcast. He's amazing at what he does. So go check his out. Go check out his links in the description. He's available for hire and does amazing uh, freelance uh, design and animation and artwork in general. He's just really great. Uh, super affordable rates. So go check out GoPro Kyo. Uh, hot shot. What's going down on your channel? Let people uh, know what's uh, good in the Hotshot hood. All right, guys. So you can go ahead and find me over on my channel, Hotshot Ginger, where currently I am working on a sister podcast of my own with GoPro Kyo, Ponsu Cast. We've just taken a slight bit of a hiatus only because, as you guys know, things in the world are a little crazy right now. And we're trying to find a point where we can both just sit down and record for a little while. So we're still working on that. That is still a project that's happening. Uh, you guys can also find me over on Twitter at Caution Ginger. And I guess as long as Jaden is willing to have me here, no matter how many times I steal his list or call him out on Canadian stereotypes, you can 
find me right here on his. Amazing. Uh, I'm excited for the next uh, episode at uh, Apostlecast. I'm thinking uh, I should come on to an episode one day. I'm warming no, up you to will. India. You totally will. If you guys would have me. Yeah, yeah, totally. If you guys will have me. All right. It'll but that means be, you'd have to uh, watch something for a podcast that I will edit. You could I'm... do an episode on Great Teacher Odezuka and you know it. I could. You're right, but that's the show that you wanted to watch. Yeah, but it's a it's a great show. That's just another. Moving on, anime. where right. can people uh, find you? But, yeah. Clearly, they they know since they're listening to your podcast on your channel. Our podcast, bro. It's on our your podcast. channel. I'll correct you every time. No, it's just our podcast, and it might be on my channel, but it's our podcast, and it's not the same without you. I will say that until the cow comes home. Uh, and also, yeah, they... you can find me at Giant Music everywhere, and you can also check out my website. Giantmusic.com. I have recently updated my uh, channel uh, with, uh, sorry, my website with a uh, new portfolio material. I have a uh, Giant Music portfolio channel, which is uh, I upload there very randomly, sporadically, like maybe once every two, three months. But it's like portfolio pieces of like music I've composed and sound design I've done. So go check out all of my audio services over there. And uh, that's gonna be everything for myself for Hotshot. This has been another episode of Anime Podcasters. Bye, guys. Bye.